The Twitter bio says slept on, but no one should be sleeping on Alyssa Smith. And she is here to talk all about why. I'm going to do a lot of it as well. I've been covering this a long time. Locked on women's basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet. For the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hi there, everyone, and happy Thursday. Welcome to Lockdown Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Maddow. I want to thank you for making us your first listen every day. Once again, another month, over 100,000 listeners in August alone. You guys keep showing up for us the way we show up for you six days a week, covering the past, present, and future of women's basketball. And of course, it is not just me. It is the entire team over at The Next, thenexthoops.com, where we have over 100 reported pieces every single month on women's basketball. Make sure you check us out, thenexthoops.com. Become a paid subscriber. Help us keep doing what we're doing. And something that we like to do quite a bit, and we talked a lot about Melissa Smith through the Baylor years, right through her time as a number two overall pick in the WNBA draft, right into the present. As we like to cover this, we like to make sure that, and I mentioned it up top, she is not slept on. So I just want to ask you, just top of the line, we're talking in segment one about your work with the fever, but bigger picture for you, do you still feel slept on on a regular basis? And is there a standard of, let's say, spotlight you think that you can reach where you wouldn't feel that way anymore? Um, I feel like you always got to kind of say, like, you slept on. It'll just always make you play with that chip on your shoulder. So I feel like every day, you know, I'm going to say that I'm slept on and count it out. And I think it, it could just turn into a motivational aspect. So, hmm. yeah. No, it's interesting because, you know, again, I do think and, and you know, point of personal privilege, there has been a gap between your quality of play and the way in which you're talked about in the national conversation. And so, you know, you see that whether we're talking about coming out of Baylor and the fact that uh, you were a stretch big even then. So just the fact that we're seeing it right now. But I want to give a couple of stats as context ahead of getting into this conversation so the listeners at home understand. You came back from injury now seven games ago. So if you take a look at the WNBA team net ratings over the past seven games, the Indiana Fever are fourth in the league. If you go by offensive rating alone, you guys are second at 108.2 points per 100 possessions. This is not a coincidence. This is the return of you to the lineup in a way that has been significant and important for this team. From your perspective, time away, coming back, you had a chance to for about a month, see where the team was going. But now to see this team over this past seven games, how different does it feel? And why do you think it feels different over this last period of time for you guys having this level of success? I think we just all came together collectively and figured out a lot of like the problems that we were having on the court. And, you know, we just practice, you know, every day we just practice hard, super hard. And we just learned a lot about ourselves. So I think it just was about when it was going to click. It was like we had it, but it was just when it was going to click. And I think it's just been clicking for us these last couple of games. And I think we're just being consistent now. It seems like a couple of things. Number one, it seems like you guys are having 
a tremendous amount of fun. You know, I'm watching mm-hmm. the film late in that game against Atlanta, where again, it's just worth pointing out, you guys closed like a veteran team. You know, both on, on both ends of the court, you were executing in small ways that matters from a winning team perspective. Obviously, winning is more fun, but did the fun precede the winning? Like, did you find yourselves having more joy in the game day to day? Um, I think, like you said, you know, the feeling of winning, I think when you've lost so many times, you kind of get tired of that feeling. So when you get that taste of winning, it's just like you want that feeling all the time. And I think we just built on everything. You know, when we were winning, we just kept building on it, kept building on it. We never got satisfied. And I think that's why we're getting this result. You obviously have been a winner everywhere you've been to be an NCAA champion, to be doing this at every level. Tell me, though, how has it been for you knowing this was going to be a build? I know we talked about it the night you got drafted. It was going to take a while in Indiana. You were going to be a building block for what was to come. How did you navigate that just emotionally? And, you know, how did you keep your eye on where you wanted to get to here in Indiana? Um, I think it's just about uh, what you do as an individual. You know, a lot of times I spend time in the gym. I spend time working out, working out my body. You know, the transition from college to um, the WNBA, it's not just about, you know, your basketball skills. It's about how you're eating and what you're doing with all the free time that you have now that you're not in school. So I think that was my main thing was just adjusting to, you know, what it is to be a professional athlete and how to take care of my body and think like a professional athlete. Did you change eating habits? Was that part of, you know, coming to the pros and doing that? And if so, how'd you do it? I think my biggest thing was just, you know, telling myself to eat these three meals a day. You know, sometimes you just, you know, go throughout your day and you have so much time that I wouldn't say you forget to eat, but eating is not like always like the thing that you're going to do. So I think like just getting up, eating breakfast and making sure I'm eating lunch. So we have good like dietitians here that help us do stuff like that. Is there a particular healthy food that you focus on that you found like a love of here in the pros? Oh, <laughs> no, nah, not really. I think I just drink like a lot more smoothies. I try to put a lot of vegetables in my smoothies because I don't really like them by itself. <laughs> you and me both. So let's talk about the fit with Aaliyah Boston because it was so interesting to me. I remember there was just a fair amount of chatter at the time of, you know, Aliyah's a big, you're a big, oh, how is this going to work? But when you actually drill down into both the numbers and the where and how you guys operate on the court, it seemed fairly obvious to me that you guys were going to have the success that you had. You know, just take me through kind of what that process has been, that feeling out of figuring out where you guys operate together on the court and, you know, what that's been like here in year one. Um, I think there was never any, like, uh, I would say, like, competition when it came to, oh, she's a big, we're going to have to go against each other to see, you know, who's the best big. I think I was more excited that she was coming here because, you know, having a big five post presence, we help each other out. Like we help each other be better. You know, we like everybody says, we space the floor for each other. We both dominant rebounders. So I think when we're both on the floor, it just shows how dominant this team is. It's interesting. First of all, you guys are a plus 0.5 in terms of net rating on the season when it comes to the two of you in a two-person lineup. But I just went back to look at this number because the number is really important and to me is like central to what the Fever have become. Since you are back from your injury, you two 
in the lineup, same time you played 144 minutes, you have a net rating of 11.9. You are a 112.3 per 100 possessions. I mean, just, you know, elite, elite on the offensive end and defending at an elevated level too. I just wonder, like, you know, being out for a month, are you looking, are you seeing different spots? Has that changed part of the way in which you guys are coalescing? Or do you think it's just more and more game time? Is there a combination of both? Take me through that. Um, I would say when I was injured, it kind of like opened up my perspective on a lot of things. Because, you know, on the bench, I was taking track of some of the stats that we were doing and some of the empty possessions and turnovers and stuff like that. And I feel like when you're playing, it's just like all you're thinking about is I need to score and I need to get a stop on the other end. But you're not thinking about like how many empty possessions you had before, like the shots you took. And I think that was kind of like my biggest eye opener was just seeing like how many empty possessions we have before it's like, all right, we need to go inside or all right, we need a good shot right here. I think that was my biggest thing. And I think that really did help because it's like now you are more conscious of your shot selection when you're taking shots and stuff like that. Did that make you want to go into coaching at some point down the line? Did that kind of get about it? I mean, I keep some stats. I ain't trying to like coach nobody though. <laughs> well, not not yet, not yet. What long yeah, was before that happens? Well, listen. In segment two, speaking of stats, we're going to get into the many ways that your game has evolved here in 2023. Uh, but first, going to talk to the good people at home about FanDuel and the NFL season is coming up and you can get ready with two offers from FanDuel, which is our sponsor today in America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. I don't know if you guys have seen, but this year there is now an opportunity, not just through DirecTV, but through YouTube and YouTube TV, anywhere you go to get NFL Sunday ticket, to watch the out-of-market games. My in-laws who spend much of the fall and winter down in Florida, but are passionate New York Giants fans are very excited about this. So go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. Again, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, so we're back in segment two, and there are a lot of numbers that I really like and appreciate, but I want to start and drill down from here. Last year, you hit a significant number of your threes, 38% of your threes. You actually are down a little bit from three. To my mind, it's statistical noise because overall, your true shooting percentage, even with that, is up considerably from 49.6 to 53.1%. So even just starting from this perspective, as you think about your shot, does it feel smoother here in season two? Do you feel more confident in your shot than you did? And if so, how did that come about? Honestly, I would say I've been playing inside a lot more this year. I think that's been my biggest thing is just, you know, finding – my passion for being a big, <laughs> like I think I score more inside rather. I mean, I'm not going to take away from me shooting outside and, and one dribble pull-ups and stuff like that. But I think like I'm more consistent and my numbers are higher when I'm playing, you know, inside doing jump hooks and back to the basket stuff. Yeah. I think that's why my numbers have gotten a lot more. 
are. And it made sense. And at the rim, you know, you were at 60% last year. You're up to 64-2. You're taking a greater proportion of those shots around the rim. It almost feels like at some level, and this is true for Aaliyah too, right, that it's simply having the threat of knowing that you can pull your defender out rather than necessarily having to do it as often as you did. Is that what you're getting from Christy Sides? Is that what the coaching staff is emphasizing? Oh, for sure. I think I think that's the biggest threat of my game is me being able to recognize – you know, when I can and and not, I'm not going to say cannot, but when I can attack a defender either outside or inside, I think that's the biggest part of my game mm-hmm. that I've focused on the most this year. I want to I want to read a list if I can for you. This is the list of players who have a higher total rebounding percentage than you do in 2023. All right. Are you ready for the list? Let's hear it. The list is done. You are number one. Nobody is ahead of you. That is all. Well, awesome. like <laughs> you, you are grabbing more than 32% of your available defensive rebounds. I mean, you know, you had a ton of double-digit rebounding games here in year one. Is it strength? You talked about getting in the weight room and doing more of that. What is it that's allowing you to become this monster on the board, especially at the defensive end? I think it was just more about me finding like something I'm great at. You know, when you recognize that you're great at something, it's something that you want to do all the time. So when I recognized how big of a threat I could be rebounding, it was just something that it was like challenged me to always want to be, you know, top three, top two and rebounding every single game. Really in every game, I want to have the highest rebounds. That's really my goal in every game. Because it's like everybody could score, everybody could do this, but not everybody want to rebound. So I'm going to be that person that's going to rebound. Having you atop that leaderboard has paid off dividends. Again, I just want to go back to to me, and I, I've, I've covered this game a couple years now. And so when you go and you see a team that's about to make the leap, all these stats, all these indicators are of a team that is on the cusp. And so not only are you guys fourth in the league in net rating over the past seven, and on top of that, you know, four and three to show for it, you know, with three straight wins, you guys are second in the lead in rebounding percentage and effective field goal percentage over this period of time. So, you know, just for our listeners at home who may not be as familiar, it means you are among the elite when it comes to finishing and you guys are elite in terms of finishing possessions of the opponent and grabbing those boards. Do you find those two are related? Do you think that the amount of rebounds you are grabbing is allowing you guys to score more, you know, particularly in transition and get an easier baskets? Oh, absolutely. I feel like the quicker you, you can get the rebound, the quicker the transition going to start. And I think we're more effective in transition because, you know, we're a young group. So I feel like we could run on a lot of people. That's the most we score. When you have wins like you did against Atlanta down the stretch, you know, put you in a position where you guys are right now on the outside looking in from the playoff mm-hmm. perspective. But, you know, it, it you've got a puncher's chance here going into the last few games of the season How much of the focus shifts to is that a 2023 goal and how much of it is still sort of eyes on the prize of the way, for instance, uh, Lynn Dunn has talked about, you know, this is a three-year process. We're in year two, you know, just take me through the way you think about those things right now. Um, I think we're growing every single day. Like if you're, if you watch a game from the beginning of the season to the games now, like it'll literally show you like just our growth throughout this, this season. And I feel like we're finally just, putting the pieces together and we're finally, you know, playing together and figuring out where we like 
people like the ball, where people like to score at. And I think that's just like the biggest thing. And, you know, playoffs are still on our mind. We still find it as an attainable goal. So, I mean, we're going to go out there every game and we're going to compete until they tell us that we're not in the playoffs. But we still going to compete because that's just what we do. We're basketball players. What has it been like watching the kind of season that Kelsey Mitchell has had as well and being, uh, you know, part and parcel of that, you know, putting up 36 a couple of games ago and just, you know, it seems like she's found another level. I'm curious what you're seeing on the court with her. Uh, Kelsey, one of my favorite players to play with. I think Kelsey just pushes me in a different way than like other players can. I think she just has a motor and she has a love for the game. Like I love playing with people that love basketball. And you could just tell that she's passionate every time she step out on the court. And so I, I think her, I think Kelsey's been playing like this, but I think it's just getting more like noticed. Like Kelsey's been Kelsey Mitchell. Everybody's been scouting for Kelsey Mitchell. I think it's just, People are starting to recognize her name and just like finally give give her flowers. It's about time. Right. <laughs> it has always been fun to watch her. All right. I, I want to talk to you about your offseason and what you're thinking about it, because to me, in a lot of ways, you are the evolving modern superstar here in women's basketball as you are expanding what you're doing. But first. So as we think about where you are as we head into segment three, I just want to give the audience at home some context. You have, I don't think it's uh, understand or overstating to say, conquered Athletes Unlimited as the champion. You made the choice to uh, go to Galatasaray this coming season. Uh, first of all, to me, it's overdue. Here's an opportunity for a star in women's basketball. You have choices. You have options. You're figuring out what it is you want to do. Take me through what your decision-making process is like, what those conversations are like at home internally, and how you make those calls on a year-by-year -year basis. Um, I kind of feel like it was just a thing that, you know, it. I always believe that you got to try something before you cut it out. So, like, I'm always just going to try everything I can while I'm young before I, you know, just say no to stuff. So, mm -hmm. you know, being that I'm going to Turkey this year, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go for the experience. I'm going to see if I like it. And, you know, if I don't enjoy my time there, you know, I won't go overseas again. But if I do enjoy it, you know, it'll be a repeated thing. But I think it's just all about, you know, experiences and just doing it while you're young and why you can't do it. Is the hope that playing in that kind of league with that kind of competition, obviously one of the best overseas leads in the world uh, is a chance to continue to work on the game? Is it more experiential? Is it more like, let me see what it feels like to live in this place for a period of time? Uh, no, I think it's it's about growing your game and, um, you know, just staying focused on what my mission is at the end of this. And that's to be one of, you know, the best players in the W. And I think with that, it's just, you got to stay focused on basketball, you know? And I think if you don't go overseas, I mean, I would, just find a way to stay attached to basketball. Like you said, AU was a good option. You know, since I, I won AU, it was like, all right, let me try something else. So that was overseas for me. Yeah, if you keep leaving every place after you win, you're going to run out of places. To <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, so even more just getting back to that theme up top, right? The question of slept on, not slept on. Like I said to you, I do think there's this gap. I do. Mm -hmm. What are the goals in your mind 
leave aside the outside conversation, right? What are the goals in your mind that will make you say, all right, I am where I want to get to, which is one of the top players in the W. Is that all-star? Is that top five and MVP vote? Like, how do you measure it yourself? That's a great question. Um, you know, of, of course, the All-Stars and, of course, you know, like, uh, you know, MVP nomination and stuff like that. But I think it just starts with, you know, wins. <laughs> I think just bringing this culture to Indiana and just having these wins and being that team that, you know, people are accounting for now and people that, like, people are talking about. I think that's the biggest thing. So once we get, like, all that attention to the fever, then they're going to be like, oh, like, who are the players? And then that's what's going to raise our stock even more. No doubt about it. Well, I would urge the listeners at home, get a head start on it because it's coming. You can see it happening. And as somebody who's had the privilege of covering you and Melissa Smith for a long time, uh, I am delighted to see it. So thank, thank you for your time and thank you to our listeners. Uh, reminder tomorrow, we'll be right back with you. The great Jackie Powell will take you on home into the weekend and we will be back next week as we are every week, six days a week, Locked on Women's Basketball. Until then, I'm Howard Magdal, wishing all of you a wonderful Thursday. Ogumba Wallet for the win! You are Locked on Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. 